everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my buddy, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. As always, we are your morning show for any hour. Oh, a programming note real quick. I'm on Ruthless Podcast this week, so you can listen to me there. And I even get to play the games with the guys. You know, they play the games on Ruthless. It's fun times. So check that out. Vic, how's it going? We're in the home stretch. We are in the home stretch. Of the year, I mean, but Mary also this Catherine. pregnancy. And I down to one podcast, yours only. It's true. I hope you enjoy that. No, no, uh, it's actually it's I, quite single a single tier over here. Thank you. Single Thank tier. You. Every now and then, I think you're going to introduce me and say end of the sub beacon. I was like, well, anywhere technically, not even technically, I'm gone. So last Thursday night was my last taping after six plus years. We started in October of 2016 when Mike Warren our former colleague and friend, mm -hmm. he came to me and said, you know, I had an idea for a podcast and then we decided to do uh, movies and pop culture. And we couldn't have picked two better people to do movies and pop culture with me, meaning Jonathan Last and Sonny Bunch. Of course, it turns out the person who would turn out to hate movies and pop culture turned out to be me. So after six years, they were kind enough to let me go. And uh, I just decided, you know, I need to spend more time with my family. Yes. As, as they you say. Really you really, I, I've talked to you, to you about a couple movies and I'm like, yes. movies that I think Vic should like. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe Vic just doesn't like movies. It it became that. And I sometimes, when we talked about Andor, which I hear is amazing. I've only watched the first couple episodes and apparently it really picks up. And then you talk about Bullet Train. But anything now with CGI, I just like. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to have like a seizure from strobe light. By the way, I, I later sided with you about Cocaine Bear on this about the bear being because, CGI? Yeah, no, it's a Because I, I was listening to a podcast yeah. about gremlins, and I heard in that podcast that each one of the gremlins, the mechanical creatures, yes. Yes. was 40000 bucks a pop in 1984, wow. or whenever that was, I think mid-80s. Mm -hmm. And if they can do gremlins at $40,000 per gremlin practical effects, they can do one cocaine bear practical effects. And there were a lot of gremlins. A lot. A lot of gremlins. Okay. I thought they were real. Only one lady, just like the Smurfs. Oh, there was one lady. She was sitting there. She had like she wore a, lipstick. a feather bow and lipstick. Okay. Just one. A little bit. We'll get into that in our special there's, episode. There's implications. Okay. But anyway, will, go we ahead. We will talk about gremlins anyway, later. As a as a devoted fan, longtime fan of the Sub Beacon, this both this saddens me, but also I, I understand. Let me let, let me re-emphasize uh uh I think it's a great show. It will continue to be a great show. I love those guys. Sonny and JVL are great. Keep subscribing. If you don't subscribe, it's great. It's fun. They'll probably have some really interesting, more interesting people with more than, than me in terms of insights and everything else. And I think it's going to be, as they would say on their show, I'm sure it's fun. I have listened yeah. for all six years and you should tune in. Thank you. But you do raise an interesting question about the movies and how I just, I mean, I just hated going to the theater. You know, and I just like, I'd rather do something is else. Is it the pandemic's fault or is it the movie's fault? That's a, a, both. I mean, as a result of the pandemic, movies just became bad. And I just didn't like, I just didn't like going to the theater. So that's one thing. But I do wonder now that I'm not doing that as work, will I start to suddenly enjoy movies again? Well, this movie is, qua movie? This is a real thing. Because right? I, early in my career, I was deciding between being a sort of out political journalist slash commentator and a sports journalist because I thought as a straight reporter am I going to make it in regular news once they find out who I am right she has all these right-wing beliefs you can of course mm -hmm. do that as a liberal easily but 
as a, as a winger, once you start confessing anything you believe, it's like, ah, she can't cover that. The nit so, gets smaller and smaller. I was like, I can either sort of be straightforward about what I believe, or I could maybe go to sports. This is before sports was like super politicized. And like it could just be under the radar over there. And I decided that I loved sports so much that I didn't want to ruin it by it being my job. <laughs> I think there's something to that. And it's also people who talk about like, oh, I would love to be a travel writer. I've seen travel writers at work and it does not look fun because you'll be in a gorgeous setting. You know, you're relaxing with your pina colada or whatever it is in the Caribbean. And you see the travel writer writing furiously, you know, on a pad, taking right. notes. Taking and notes on all their, on their pina colada. Yeah, we, on their pina colada. I mean, okay, it's not a hardship. I get it. But it's not as fun as just going traveling. And suddenly, you know, what you love becomes work. And sometimes I think that changes it. This is also, by the way, why I'm not an adult film star. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, one person- Holiday-friendly episode. We haven't even broken up the eggnog yet. The outpouring of kindness on social media, amazing, how rare do you say that, but has been really something in terms of when I just announced that I was leaving. People are great. So thank you, everybody, for all of your your, your thoughts and, 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 and kind regards. One person- actually said, and a person I know fairly well, an older fella, he just said, good luck and please let me know where I land. There you go. I'm, like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here. Best of luck to you, Vin. Yeah, where I land. I think he thinks that that was like the job. Okay, Mary Catherine, how are you? You, I, I think about, I think about the, the ending of the movie Superman when the, the, I think it was an MX missile got launched into San Andreas Fault, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, Jimmy Olsen is there at the Hoover Dam, okay. and it starts to shake. There's no video of me shaking, and you've, the dam is about to burst mm-hmm. any second now. Is that my situation? That is, are you like, is, do you, you know, feel like the Hoover Dam? Like, first of all, I've always, rumbling? I've always wanted to be seen as a testament to the wonder of modern American engineering. Yes. So, oh, thank you. You're welcome. An American icon. I am a big one. You got Jennifer here. She's no, I'm doing red. good. No, I'm doing fine. I think we are in probably the week. This is this, this by by my calculations, which are not scientific, just based on my fairly large sample of other children I've had. This is the week. So we'll see what happens. As a uh, not as not as an uh, expert, but as somebody who's gone through this a couple times from the other end, obviously. My knowledge is limited, but I think the question I'm supposed to ask is, have you dropped? Yeah, that's a thing. I, I don't know if I have, actually. The way the only way that I know that is because I can eat more food, and that hasn't happened that I've noticed oh, in a big really? way yet. Yeah. This is with my, with my, one of my kids was born the day after Thanksgiving, and the day after Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving, I had a sad, tiny meal because I couldn't fit anything in, and the day after Thanksgiving, I ate a pound and a half of stuffing, and I was like, oh, there's a lot more room in there now. I guess this is probably imminent so but i haven't really noticed anything but i would say like we're we're in the we're in the zone in the zone this is very exciting so if i go into labor now i don't have a huge window so i'll probably leave no we have that thing with the the, the, the boil the water we have that oh okay the, and the we kettle. have we have blankets and paper towels towels there you go we'll <laughs> lovely be, we'll be lovely fine. no things are good we are we are getting the whole nursery set up not that the baby will be in there right away but now we have two cribs in one space Steve built the crib yesterday. Looks very nice in there. Built the crib. Yeah, we're well. We're nice. he and I are tug of warring on our on our nursery setup because he 
desires different things than I. He's right. like functionality and doesn't care how it looks. And I'm like, mm, I'm so pretty. You're, you're you're also in a situation where you're not ready to hand down the, the crib from one kid to the next because you still have. Oh yeah, Ooh. yeah. We just two cribbing it up over here. So and that's because it'll be that way for a while. So. Yeah. It's do you fine. do you do bassinet cute. at all? Because we had it and we I don't think we ever really used ours. Yes, I do have a bassinet. The last baby did not like the bassinet. No, same. So we used a what's it called a dakatot, which is just like a sort of kind of a, eh, I was like a cot that you put your kid okay. on. I don't know. All right, but it has it has like little tiny walls to keep the baby in one spot, keep you from rolling over on the baby or anything like that. We it's, also uh, had good. a gorgeous. We had a, a, a wonderful pram. Oh, that I think brand. was Look given from my, my mother-in-law gave that. And same thing, Real, like only used it a few times. The kid, it turns out babies, I think they like to be in a different position than just on their back. On their back. Yeah. Yeah, that's the back to sleep campaign has ruined many yeah. a parent's sleep because babies like to sleep yeah. on their tummies. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. But it's not considered safe. Yeah. Just, just Until they tell you. Don't give me my public health yeah. flag. No, another, you know what, you wait another few years and it'll be back to the other yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On we're, your we're, back, on your stomach. We'll switch it up again. Anyway, so I'm no doing- No bumpers. We're, we're juggling a few things. The kids are, the kids are home from school. I'm wrapping many, many presents. I have to do that today. I gotta, I gotta put in some real time on that because that requires several hours of work does, concentrated. Does, does your husband wrap presents? No, and I- How about the ones for you? Yes, he does yeah, wrap those. That's what I And do. you can tell- which ones they are because Same. they are wrapped in brown paper and they are the shape of potatoes because there are no corners, there are no creases, there is a lot of scotch tape or packing tape, whichever one he comes across. It's interesting because he's sort of a meticulous guy in other ways. Not this one. I think I found an area where I might have him beat, but just barely because I can do the, co I get the, I get the concept of the wrapping with the gift I, and I can do it if, if you give me tape, scissor. And the gift wrap, right, right, and a little tag. I can do this, but I don't know how Kate makes her. You know, when she cuts, it's just a smooth. Oh yeah, you gotta. Well, you gotta have the right scissors. I yeah, mm -hmm. mine are jagged. No, we don't. And want there's that. always some white flap showing, and then I gotta cut it on the outside. If they're jagged, you need to fold over the paper and then tape it. That's how you do that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, my problem with wrapping is that uh, some element of the wrapping is always escaping. Like, I don't. Every, every time I need a tool, it has been put somewhere different. And it's all my fault. I'm the one doing it. But the scotch tape yeah. is disappearing. The scissors are disappearing. The tags are disappearing. They're under me. They're under other things. It's, it's fine. It's a first world problem. I'll be okay. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that. But again, because of the, the limited square footage in the house, it's tricky because everybody's presents are hidden in one room. Yeah. And that room doesn't have a wrapping space. And so I'm sitting on the floor at 38 weeks pregnant trying to wrap things. <laughs> I think I'm going to banish Steve's idea. was just, just banish everybody from the main floor, use the dining room, and be like, nobody come down here. Nobody, yeah. Mama's hanging out. And, and, and that actually, actually, now that sounds actually kind of pleasant now that we, now the, that I put it that do way. Do the girls know that that's what you're doing? They know that, yeah. they know that there's stuff in there for them. Yeah. They have yeah. been instructed okay. not to snoop. Okay, okay. I mean, I don't know if that really works. It, it, it has worked so far. Kids will look. They just won't tell you. Well, that's on them. They're going to ruin their own surprises. Anyway. 
Shall we talk about Elon Musk? Oh, let's do it. Elon Musk, owner of Twitter and Tesla and the Rockets and the Boring Company, all the things. World's richest man. He ran a Twitter poll this week to see if he should remain the head of Twitter. Now, he will still retain ownership of Twitter, obviously, because he paid for it. But he abides by his Twitter poll. So in a Twitter poll, Musk, Musk posted this week, 57.5% of the more than 17 million respondents said that he should step down. He pledged to abide by the results. Now, the question is, what happens next? He does still own it. I imagine he didn't post. He's a bit of an impulsive guy, as you might have noticed. I imagine he didn't post that poll thinking that it was a guaranteed stay for him, and he may have even wanted to leave. And I think likely some of his more impulsive behavior is not working for him in this particular position, right? Yeah. Um, like be on Twitter, but maybe not running Twitter at the same time that you're on Twitter all the time. That, that, that's right. And if I may quote scripture to you, mm -hmm. I believe it's those who live by the poll die by the poll. Is what they say. That's true. Yes. I was thinking the same thing. He wouldn't have posted this if he wasn't already in this headspace where he was down on his $45 billion purchase and thinking, well, if people want me to give up the role, not sell. The, the poll was not, should I sell Twitter after right, spending that right. much? But giving up the role of CEO, which means what? That he becomes president or chairman or something of, you know, obviously owner, but in, other, in another capacity and have other, somebody else run it. But- you know, the question is who? Yeah. Who's, I, I don't know. I don't know who can run it. So Axios ran through a little bit of this and suggested mm -hmm. that notes that at SpaceX, which is one of his yeah. companies, Musk leans heavily on the company's president, President Gwen Shotwell, to run operations, and she mainly stays sort of out of the limelight. And that might, there's a plausible scenario where that becomes the case mm -hmm. at Twitter. Twitter is so much gossip and so much public attention paid to the inner workings now and he's of course brought more attention yeah. to that the question is who wants to take that gig and how involved is elon in what the gig looks like so i was thinking i think for most of us if we went through life and our legacy was that we were a pioneer in the electric vehicle industry like revolutionized the automotive industry We'd be content with that. If our legacy was we rekindled, uh, you know, America and the world's sort of desire to go back into outer space, right, and figure out a way to salvage reusable rockets by having them land remotely back to Earth, that would be a great legacy. To do both, yeah, pretty impressive. Okay, yes. we'll get Howard Hughes territory. Yes. But to tackle Twitter is an entirely different animal. It is. It is. Well, important that he has those two legacies and he has time to troll everybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. So I think there was a there was a brief controversy last week where some I don't remember if we talked about it in the show, but some because I don't want to talk about Twitter all the time. Mm -hmm. But some journalists at mainstream and left leaning outlets were suspended for retweeting content from the Elon Jet account the which tracker. the 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 justification for this from twitter and from elon is that this is real-time doxing of his position mm -hmm. and that that is something that is against the rules i think for the jet guy himself you can make that argument because he is by the way this isn't public information this is stuff that the faa puts mm -hmm. under a layer of protection because elon musk 
is a public figure who has security threats. Yeah. So this guy is digging up information and putting it out there publicly that is not necessarily easily found. Now, the retweeting of that information by journalists, I think, is a much more gray area. It is. And I think the thing about content moderation, everybody's like, oh, it's harder than you think. Okay, yes, I know that. However, a few rules, very clear, very transparent, very public about why suspensions happen and how long those suspensions will last, that's the key. And the same applies to Elon as applied to the last guys. You can't be like willy-nilly, like, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. Even if it's Taylor Lorenz, you can't be like, she docked somebody a long time ago, so we're going to kick her off. It's not Her tweet wasn't even up. Oh, my God, I'm defending her. Anyway, this is my my commitment to free speech, guys. This was harder than the ACLU defending, you know, the neo-Nazis in Skokie. It's for you to do this, by the way. You love to hear it. To me, no, Mary Catherine Hamm. The Elon Jet guy, I think he was offered something like $5,000 to see sort of like, you know, posting, you know, the comings and goings of Elon Musk's jet, which I think specifically was just where it took off from and where it's landing. And it's right. not sort of like yep. tracking it like across the country and you're, you know, watching it on a radar screen or something. But he asked it said for 50000 and it's just... I love that this kid is on a yeah. new show just actually extorting someone. Yeah. By the way, shoot higher. He's the richest man in the world. He's on a new show just asking for money to stop yeah. giving out this information. And he's the good guy. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> no, it, The media's it, like, no, this kid seems awesome. It's Elon's channel challenge, of course, is to rein in the impulses that, you know, I mean, it's, again, it's just an entirely different animal from running either... Tesla or, or, or SpaceX. And I don't know if he can do it. I think it's probably not healthy for him to continue doing what he does. But what he did had to be done. And it wasn't the, well, this is the, the, thing. the Twitter files. It wasn't the cleanest way or the easiest way to do things. But somebody had to do it and put it out there in order to confirm everything that we've always suspected. This is the thing. I, and as we've said, I don't have to be an Elon stan. I don't have to believe that he agrees with me on. I don't care if he agrees with me on everything. If he brings more transparency to this very important, sometimes regrettably very important, chattering class tool Mm -hmm. where everyone gathers to have either their priors confirmed or fight with people, then I think that is worthwhile. And it remains worthwhile even if he's trolling. By the way, the bottom line from the Axios report, which I think is just such a perfect sort of mainstream media take on this, is an, an expert saying, problem isn't that Twitter is so hard to run that only a person as smart as Elon can run it. It's that nobody can run it if Elon owns it. <laughs> now, they've set up a situation where, oh, well, I, any, anyone who di- diverts from our ideological path mm-hmm. in any way, shape and form, shape or form, cannot own this thing. Yeah. Well, no, that's not how it works. He, in fact, can and he used his own money to buy it. So deal with it. Let's talk a little bit about what did come out in the Twitter files. We yeah. haven't we haven't visited every single one of these because I don't want to, I don't want to belabor. It's voluminous. It is voluminous. So Michael Schellenberger, who's a was the he's a businessman. He's an author. He ran for governor in California, and he's a, I would say just among the sort of Substack rebels. You know, like the, the Barry Weiss. He's here. a man of the left. Yes, definitely a man of the left. But he's one of the folks that, along with Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi's reporting on this stuff, 
So this is the Twitter Files 7. It's a great collection, by the way, of journalists. Yes. Who send me. Well, other journalists don't <laughs> think so, Vic. They're all conservative writers, as the Post would call them. So Michael Schellenberger has stuff from Twitter that says, like, not only did Twitter suppress the Biden laptop story, the Hunter Biden laptop story, but they were primed for months by the U.S. government, by DNI, by the FBI, by in weekly meetings, yeah. to think that the Hunter Biden laptop story that would drop would be fake and disinformation. Right. Here's the problem. I mean, on top of the federal government being involved in this at all, the federal government knew that it was real. They had the laptop. And they were priming these guys with information, an echo of 2016, that disinformation, particularly Russian, and hacking could have an impact on the election. And therefore, we need to meet with you guys for security reasons. This went so far as giving the likes of y'all Roth, like, a, as far as I can tell, a recently graduated, like, college dude who became head of Twitter safety a top security clearance so that they could back channel with him about newspapers publishing news they didn't like and normal people retweeting that news. But it's not censorship to the press because the press likes having this story suppressed. Well, okay. So the first thing, Mary Catherine, mm -hmm. is the first yes. thing, of course, is the idea that there was any sort of banning, shadow banning or suppression of news is not true at all, right? And they went they went in front of social media, Twitter, they've spoken to the media, they've spoken to Congress. Doesn't happen. Oh, by the way, yes, it does happen, but for reasons that we can all understand, number one, threats to democracy, and number two, misinformation. Misinformation mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. we deem it to be misinformation. Right. Okay, and, and thirdly, of course it's going on. What, you didn't know that? Yeah. So. Uh, and also, yeah. also, it's not censoring because the government's not involved. And then as soon as the government's involved, oh, but they needed to be involved because security so the question with the FBI is, and this is going to be very interesting come January when the Republicans take over the House, just barely, albeit, and they're going to have these hearings into Hunter Biden, for example, right, which a lot of people derided and said there are other things to worry about, which is also true. But now that we're here and all these other developments have come out, particularly through the, the Twitter files, the question with the suppression of these, it was like a preemptive strike, yes. right? in order to tamp down and prevent the New York Post from spreading this story before the election. The question is at whose behest, Yeah, right? Who's making these decisions on behalf of whom? And Twitter and Facebook and all these guys are being worked by the FBI. Yeah. Like little, like little minions and sources to do their bidding. And it, it's, By the way, they came to Facebook, CEO Mark Zuckerberg told Rogan, I believe. Wasn't he yeah. Rogan he was talking to? The FBI basically came to us and was like, hey, you should be on high alert. We thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. There's about to be some kind of dump similar to that. They were priming everybody yeah. to put the thumbs on the scale against this story that, again, they yeah. knew the underlying substance was real. That's right. And this wasn't just like, oh, one special meeting with the FBI. This became a regular thing. You mentioned the back channels, and we're talking about Twitter in very close coordination with the FBI, Homeland Security, the Director of National Intelligence, and, of course, White House officials. And I think they quite enjoyed it. 
And they're, ha- oh, this is the thing. They're handing out top security clearances to oh. Yoel Roth. And he's like, oh, look at me, look at me. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, the incentives there are bad, right? Like, let's make these guys feel like they're playing spy game. Yeah. And what they're actually doing is just crushing normal American speech rights. That's what they're doing. That's right. In concert with the FBI. And we should care. But have you noticed the rest of the media's reaction to this? I have noticed that. You know, let me let me just note Ben Smith writing for Semaphore, his new yeah. venture. He reports on Barry Weiss, who, of course, reported a lot of this. Now, these documents are going from internal Twitter out to Matt Taibbi, out to Schellenberger, out to Barry Weiss, these sort of anti-establishment journalists, independent journalists, from Elon himself, at the behest of Elon himself, right? Now, in in other instances, this would be called journalism, reporting. When Ben Smith refers to it, he refers to it as the Twitter owner's invitation to Barry Weiss to nose around the company's internal documents. Okay. That's one way to describe it. I understand that this is normally done differently, like through a leak, but he bought it so that he could make this stuff public. Now, what I like about this is that unlike a leak, we can read Elon Musk's possible motivations as he's giving this information to Barry Weiss. Unlike when you don't know who the person is or how much they're leaking or why. The unnamed sources. Which happens all the time and is generally known as journalism, right? He also wonders... If Barry Weiss showered with adulation, investment, and information from Elon Musk and his allies, her new media company, the Free Press, could be truly independent. In There's only one way in which the adulation and investment that Barry Weiss is getting is different from Ben Smith's. Oh. Ben Smith's is just establishment center left to lefty, and hers is anti-establishment Elon Musky, right? Yeah, that's it. Like, so so how how do we not ask him the same questions? Didn't Semaphore get money from Sam Bankman-Fried? That is part of the discussion. <laughs> Elon Musk has asked that question. And, yeah. and well, here's the thing. It's like Ben Smith says that, yes, we did get it and we've just closed it. And therefore, we can report on this. Fine. But why is not the, the answer the same for Barry Weiss? Right. I've disclosed it. And she also pushed back on these the suspensions of journalists saying, like, you can't do this willy-nilly. Right. That's not how this should work. Same with the new regime as with the old regime. Right. The press doesn't care about free speech at all. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, I don't think there's any amount of news that, that that's going to break from these files that's going to get their attention. And they'll just say, they're just finding reasons to say, well, we've known about this all the time. This yeah, it's, it's either not a thing mm-hmm. or it's totally justifiable. Yeah. Again, the FBI is handing out security clearances yeah. like Skittles to idiots at tech companies to help them censor regular Americans. That is what is, that that appears to be what's happening here. By the way, if you don't know Michael Schellenberger, he's great. His writing is great. He has a book that came out not too long ago called San Francisco about what's happened in that city. Check it out. Yeah, that was getting, it's good because it's coming from a liberal's perspective. Right. And that was a bit of the impetus for him yeah. running for governor when he, yeah. when he was working on that book. All right. Anything else about Twitter? Do you want to take so, over? I had a lot. You do, you know, want, do you want to run it? It but... really depends. It really depends on what the food situation is like over there. I think I, I think you would be displeased because I think Elon Musk cut down on the yeah the, the catering yeah, options yeah, yeah, yeah. over there. Go down to Chop. If I weren't having go to Kava. If I weren't having this baby, I'd do it. You know, but I got a lot on my plate, including 
the gingerbread and oh, uh, from rum, my, rum balls from my mother-in-law provided by Vic's mother-in-law. It's an annual tradition. Those rum balls will get you a little tipsy. Yes, I think for those the rum ball, the secret to the rum balls, I believe, is Myers rum, and the the bourbon balls she changed up from Makers to Jack Daniels, which she says is a lower proof. Maybe interesting. Yes. Well, they're perfect. Bur- the bourbon balls are very strong. I didn't know I would like rum balls until I tried these. I also don't. <laughs> I also don't bourbon. generally like gingerbread, but this is yeah. fantastic. No, it's perfect. So thank you, Linda Dwyer. Well there done. You. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to Ronnie D. We got COVID updates. Yes. I don't know if you know this. We're in a tridemic. A tri- yes. Okay. What are the other two? RSV and flu. Mm. I did get my flu shot this year because I'm immunosuppressed as a pregnant lady. I, I got mine. I got mine as well as a pre-diabetic. <laughs> I guess the, I, that's a comorbidity now. You are. You're, okay. You're comorbid. I call, I'm a comorbid. We're comorbid together. Comorbid co-hosts. Yeah. That's so nice. All right. <laughs> Ron DeSantis this week announced that in Florida, they're going to be doing some investigations into the mRNA type of vaccine. Mm-hmm about claims about its efficacy, about possibilities of side effects that were not clear. What's interesting to me about this is that the press in some ways is scrambling to retcon their take on original Ron DeSantis because they're like, Ron DeSantis, who used to have a positive and nuanced take on vaccines. Oh, really? I feel like you guys never reported on that positive and nuanced and proactive vaccine rollout he indeed did do at the time when the state was open and he was going to kill millions in the state of florida when he was explicitly administering it to the most at risk first yeah doing it in publicly accessible popular places like local pharmacies and publics when he was speaking about how it was a personal choice but beneficial particularly to those who are high risk All we ever heard about that was that he was doing it bad. He was doing it real bad. No matter what the numbers said, no matter what he did, he was just basically anti-vax and killing people. But now, now, Vic, that we need to convict him in real time, we have to (laughs) retcon that. And we have to say that Ron DeSantis' former enlightenment about vaccines has now disappeared. Because he wants to follow the trail on all this other information. Isn't that, doesn't he have better things to do? I actually think that investigating these things is a decent idea. There's a lot of big pharma money. There's a lot of marriage yeah. of interests mm-hmm. between government and these, inter- and, the, yeah. and these big guys. And there is a lot that, and this is the important part, because he's like, oh, he's, he doesn't know anything about science. Well, actually, what the science has told us over the past... What has it been since the vaccines were started being administered a year? Yeah. It was uh, the, it was uh, winter of 2020, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So that there are questions. I guess it's two, two, two years, years yeah. since the... Yeah. yeah. It seemed longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> two years. Is that the, there are questions about efficacy and side effects that were not addressed. And that were, in fact, oh, I don't know, misinformation. You weren't allowed to mention that. Certainly you weren't allowed to mention that on social media if you had questions or if you had concerns or skepticism. Skepticism is not allowed in science, as you know. Yeah, we don't do that. There's the, only the, one answer. You sent me the article from the Washington Post. Yes. That points out that you know what, what Ron DeSantis is doing here. And it is interesting because the emphasis in the story is 
sure, it was probably not great or ideal for the administration and our highly regarded health officials to kind of downplay the imperfections of the vaccine, shall mm -hmm. we say. There might be some side effects and the efficacy. But the real problem is DeSantis pouncing, pouncing <laughs> on those flaws. And and yes, we admit they're flaws, but really the governor of Florida is only gonna make man it's only gonna make things worse by exploiting right. those flaws. Exploiting exploiting the uh, yeah. dare I say misinformation yeah, uh, that was disseminated for a long period of time. Them, yeah. Pointing them out. But people always had concerns about things like as you remember early on with myocarditis. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're looking at Europe and you're like, gee, you know, they're not going full force in making all the young people. Well, get particularly the for young people, there yeah. is there is a very easy argument to be made that the possible downsides, even if they are small, are bigger than the upsides because their risk profile is so different than old people. Yeah. This is not a conversation that anyone was sort of allowed to have. In fact, people were banned from Twitter yeah. for having these conversations and talking about risk profiles. And yet we still have American colleges, and this is one thing that DeSantis might look into, American colleges requiring sometimes two boosters for 20-year-olds, which is not sane. No. It's not science. So I appreciate this Washington Post writer at least addressing right. that they were wrong. Like there's a little bit of, there's a sprinkling of like, right. yeah, we did get some stuff wrong. I appreciate that. The problem isn't DeSantis. Again, the recovery rate for the kids is about 99.998%. And I think most people out there feel the way you and I do, not to the extent where, you know, we have, you know, ivermectin as our sponsor. Right. And but, in, our, in our houses stocked, Yeah, yeah right? you know, the whole thing. But if you look at the numbers, for example, the bivalent booster uptake, right? How many Americans have gotten that? It's pretty low. 14%. Yeah. 14. That's across the board. So that tells me most people are like, you know what? I may do something crazy here and take a chance that my former exposure and having gotten, you know, one of the COVID variants, also things like, you know, antibodies and natural immunity, maybe that will help me versus getting the booster shot that maybe was tested on right. eight mice. And <laughs> Well, and by the way, we are living in a world where yeah. most everyone has had COVID now. Yeah. So as Paul Offit notes in this piece, talking to this this writer, Paul Offit, who's one of the most pro-vaccine yeah, people very. there is, mm -hmm. and an expert, says, look, in people's personal experience, they've gotten COVID. They understand that the vaccine didn't keep them from getting COVID. This is a real thing. Right. This is a real thing we're talking about. By the way, quick COVID update. COVID spreading faster than ever in China. 800 million could be infected this winter. Yeah. Why? Why, you might ask? Oh, it turns out that if you lock everyone down, and weld them into their houses, the Philip Bump yep. from the Washington Post definition of a lockdown, weld them into their houses and hand them, it's a good you know, call back, by the way. hand them cheese sandwiches through a vent that a lot of people won't catch COVID. You won't get zero COVID, but more people won't catch it. And then all of a sudden, they're all going to have to catch it. If you think about countries like Australia that had very, very serious lockdown yeah. policies where they would track you so that you couldn't leave your certain designated areas, right? On your apps, on your phones. And China, of course, was the classic. That was the most extreme version of that. Again, it just proves the point. The more you isolate yourselves from other human beings, the more susceptible you are to 
even the common cold. It'll just floor Honestly, you. it just should have Get protected. The, the Barrington guys were right. The Sweden guys were right. Yeah. We should have protected the vulnerable at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And the rest and of gone, us. gone full Sweden. The rest of us, you know, suffer through, you know, the unpleasantness of having gotten it, but then getting over it. Yeah. Yeah, this is NPR. Why is the virus spreading so explosively there? The reason is the population has very little immunity to the virus because the vast majority of people have never been infected. Until recently, China has focused on mass, massive quarantines, testing and travel restrictions to keep the virus mostly out of the country. So China prevented most people from getting infected with variants that came before Omicron. But that means now nearly all 1.4 billion people are susceptible to an infection. And by the way, it didn't even work as well as they're claiming it did before no, this. People were still getting it. But NPR, by the way, takes their numbers at face value. But Of course. What is the solution that China is going to come up with? Do you I think it's going to be, of... well, they're going to have to get it anyway. Let them go through it if they don't want to take Sinovax, you know, which is the, the not great the not, vaccine. The not great working. Uh, or are they going to say- Less great working than they, the other one. Yes. No, yes, exactly. Or are they going to say, the lesson is, we should never let them out again. Well, I'm wondering if this is, if this is uh, China's get out of zero COVID card that they're playing. Say, oh, well, now we can't control it. Yeah. And the Western media is compliant enough to be like, well, they really controlled it really well for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. What with the massive like police state and stuff that I wish we had. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I had another. Oh, another little bit of COVID news. Our friend Taylor Lawrence. Oh, yes. Taylor Lawrence. She is who she who suffers from long COVID. Yes. Well, as you as you know, well, she's a she's a long COVID expert. She's very concerned about the future health of her generation, which of which not we're not sure which generation that is, but. Physical so, or mental health? No, it goes from boomer to Gen Z, depending on the day. Yeah, oh, for um, her. Yeah, for How her. How old is she? Is she, is she, is she, clo- this is she is closer a, in age to me? It's an open question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an open question. I think she's in our range, though, Vic. So, Taylor Lorenz. You're not in my range. Come on, <laughs> Taylor Lorenz is, is often found on Twitter proclaiming that anybody who does anything is a danger to the immunosuppressed, of which she counts herself a member. And that is, it's disrespectful for people to go to conferences without masks to be in places with other people this is an affront to people who are vulnerable like herself and in fact that the thing about china's zero covid policy is that it was pretty good at protecting people like her so even though she's a journalist at a major american newspaper she's like i don't know second look at wuhan style lockdown welding people into their apartments at any rate she went on a uh, a live on one of her yeah, Instagram or one of her social media accounts. This was this was like a party that she wanted to do live. Is that what's happening? So, you know, she's a thought leader, okay? I can't under I can't pretend to truly understand the depths of Taylor Lorenz, but here here's the voice of a, a thought leader doing what thought leaders do, which is apparently going to parties as immunocompromised individuals with no mask, clearly in a room bustling with other people. And she's going to do a live just to check in with her followers about how no. crazy it is that she was banned from Twitter. Let's just let's just hear a little bit from this elite voice of intellectualism. Um, oh, my God. This is just a bunch of Elon fans. All right. Oh, Aaron Space Museum. Hi, um, guys. I did have only three tweets because my tweets auto delete and they have since 2014. 
Anyway, I do have to go, um, but I love you guys, and it was so fun to get to chat with you. <laughs> oh my god, um, I do have to go, but um, but uh, I will see you in the future. You can follow me on Instagram. You can follow Ryan on Instagram. You can follow uh, everyone else on Instagram and. Um, I'm running off like Elon did. Yeah, I'm running off because I'm hanging out with my friends, you guys. It's Saturday night, and I just found out my Twitter account is banned, which is hilarious. So I thought I would do a live, okay? There it is. Elite Who, reporter. Who's, who's hanging out with her? I heard voices back oh, there's there. A, it's a, like a journo party. It's a journo party, including a couple people who just got suspended from Twitter. By the way, I think that all those suspensions are lifted at this point, correct? Um, I would find that so insufferable. I mean, there are bad parties out there, and we've been very fortunate. I mean, I've been to my share. I've seen over the last 25-plus years, you know, been to some awful parties and, and, and seen bad behavior, just the, of the insufferable kind, right. you know, where people love to talk about themselves. But over that time, we have managed, you and I have managed to just find the parties where we are with nice people. Yeah. And... This That's one was it. That. We weren't invited to this party. This doesn't sound. I hate to be judgy about it, but that that I would find it to be based on that little clip. Also, when you are like every day going after anyone who sets foot in public, why are you doing a live from a party with no mask on? Rules for thee. I know. Did you actually read? I had to zoom because my eyesight's terrible. But did you read the comments? <laughs> there was a lot of cry. People, they, they, like, they, they only have enough time to get like three letters that cry and then yeah. set it out there. But that's the thing, isn't cry it? More. That's, that, cry, cry more. more cry more. Is, is, that's the thing that the, that the kids say, I think. So, uh, you know, so, so anyway. mean and vicious. Anyway, thought, yeah. thought leader, our, okay. our intellectual better over there. All righty. I, I have been dying you to talk have, about this story yes. and I keep forgetting. Okay. Every, every time I'm like, oh, dang it, I didn't, didn't get this story. Tax pros expecting the worst with Venmo PayPal tax reporting change. How to handle... A 1099K for personal payments. As the tax season approaches, many Americans are bracing for a new reporting change for third-party payment networks like Venmo or PayPal. Starting in 2022, you'll receive Form 1099K, which reports income to the IRS, for business payments over $600. But experts say it's possible you'll receive 1099Ks for personal transfers by mistake. $600 of transactions in your PayPal or Venmo account. This is, of course, a new rule from that garbage bill that they passed to, re quote, reduce inflation and hire all the IRS agents. Well, this is why it's good to have 80,000 new agents to handle well, this. Well, they got, well, no, no, no. Those are for the billionaires, Vic. Oh, sorry. It's never been about anyone but billionaires. That's right. Okay? I'm sure you need, none of them would be used for this. You need 80,000 employees to go after the 20 billionaires in this country. And then this is just, you know, this is just a loophole they're closing. It has, it has nothing to do with slamming like house cleaners, babysitters, and furniture flippers on Venmo. I mean, this is insanity. They're they're gonna rake it in, aren't they? Or just give people can a lot we, of headaches. Can we just not comply? Do not comply. I found the story very interesting. And at the same time, the way I deal with sort of paying people. Until recently, you're very, you're very under the table, guys. Until the, until recently, I would have just written you a personal check. Wow, look at you. Yeah, I know. Oh, cash. Does anyone have cash? So, oh, nobody example, has cash. No. So this happened. This happened like several years ago when my daughter, you know, she got into brownies and then Girl Scouts, right? And then you start selling the Girl Scout cookies. Everybody loves them. The kids here in the office, all the twenty somethings here. I said, great, you owe X, Y, Z, whatever you owe, 14, 20, 30 bucks, whatever. I say, it what's is. your Venmo, Vic? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like, don't you have cash in your wallet? What wallet? They do not. And I said, okay, well, so what happened was somebody, and I think it was, of all people, I think it was Steve Gutowski at the reload was saying, you need to get on Apple Pay. It's really, that's what he uses. So I said, okay, I got Apple Pay. You got Apple Pay? No, 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 no. I use PayPal. So I said, okay, yep. let me go. I want PayPal, everybody. I don't use PayPal. We use Venmo. So now I have three different ways. And yeah, there, there are a lot. And there's Cash App too. There's, there's, there, there are many. Yeah. And, but I don't, I haven't actually used them for big transactions. So I don't expect that's well, so, going to and I don't, happen I, for me. Yeah. Well, I don't, but the thing is, you don't even have to hit a big transaction to hit this is number. Is it cumulative? So it's cumulative so it 600. Says, it it's says not be- a single transaction. Before, before 2022, taxpayers received 1099Ks with more than 200 transactions worth an aggregate above $20,000. Now, that sounds that reasonable sounds reasonable. To me. You're doing a business on the side here. But the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, oh, this is the American Rescue Plan. Excuse me. It was not the inflation mm-hmm. one. Dropped the threshold to just $600. Now, even a single transaction can trigger the form. This is crazy. The, the Republicans have to help in some way get rid of this, yeah. right? Like, I know that they only and have January the House. January cannot come soon enough. And just to Just to put at, an end to the. Everyone says like, oh, what's their plan? Their plan is to stop the insanity. That's all I want them to do. Uh, I know they have all these other things they want to do, but I'd say priority one, stop the insanity. So IRS says the reporting change does not apply to personal transfers such as gifts or reimbursements between friends and family. However, the agency explains what to do if you've received a 1099K in error. No big deal, guys. Just use $600 worth of your time yeah. to get on the phone with the IRS. Oh, you've done who that. Will, it's great. Yeah. Who will, by the way, charge you interest until the problem is resolved. Then you'll just owe the interest. I just... Not with, the principal. With this, with the minimum wage thing on the restaurants in D.C., I know that my friends on the left are like, look, people on the right are looking to make my life miserable. They're, they're actively trying to ruin my life. That's what they believe, truly. And they're going to do it in all these huge and horrible ways that are a threat to democracy. And then, like, right in your everyday life, here, here comes the Biden administration looking at six hundred dollar transactions yeah. that you know how you now have to wrestle with the IRS over, and changing the laws in D.C. so that no one either wants to be a server or can open a restaurant. And forty eight yeah. of them closed this year, and they're just like, that seems fine. By the way, I'm going up to New Jersey this coming weekend, where if I'm going to get like groceries for my dad and things like that, I have to bring there. You can't find a bag in the supermarkets. It's not like, oh, we don't do plastic. We just do paper. Like here in the great Commonwealth of Virginia, fine, they don't do plastic. I don't like the plastic bags anyway, but they have paper bags. There are no bags. So I got to bring the bags with me. And there are people who I see with garbage bags. That's what they have to do. They put everything in the garbage bag, eggs and all. Okay. I can prove that. I'm just assuming that they put the eggs. Yeah, I think so. But it's- I mean, people are usually careful yeah, with their garbage it's bags. Death, it's it's, death, it's death by a thousand cuts, though. No, no, no. That, it is. It's just like this yeah. erosion of everyday joys. Yeah. Or freedoms, one right. might call them, <laughs> that we used to take for granted. But $600 is crazy. And it's explicitly just gives the lie to anything the Biden administration has said about not adding new tax, taxes to people who don't make over a certain threshold. These are not billionaires. These are people- who flipped dressers they bought at Goodwill. That's that's suppose, what's happening here. Wait a minute. So suppose somebody is like, oh, you know, you go on a trip with your friends, right? And they say, ah, oh, the room's in my name. I paid for the room for, you know, two, three days. So your share of it is 600. Right. So oh, I'll just Venmo you the 600. You're telling me 
Well, the, the question becomes... The person who receives the 600 The IRS will tell you that those are okay because it's a reimbursement between friends. How does one tell the IRS and verify that that is the case? When they're down to $600, they're just going to be issuing forms. And then you have to argue affirmatively with evidence, I guess, that you don't deserve that form. For like, Let's just hope they're as incompetent at getting these forms out as they are at everything else. Yeah, and, and this is going to affect, what, several hundred million Americans? Something like that? Hundred. I mean, it would have to. Keep stick with those, stick with those personal checks. I got my pre- my checkbook. I'll write you that Golly. check. Golly, I that. think I've bought like several. I've brought I've bought enough Christmas presents using Venmo at this oh, point no. that could probably hit yeah. the threshold. Sure, just Christmas presents. Yeah. Big spender over here. Bring that over here. <laughs> All right. All right. Did we hit the wall on J six? Oh, we got to do J six. You want to know? You don't want to talk about that. Okay. Talk about that. So, I saw a lot of coverage yesterday that was that was like the finale of the January 6th committee process. And I'm like, is that a promise? Oh, I, I is that a promise? Because I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it's the finale. All right. This is from the Washington Examiner. The January 6th Select Committee voted Monday to urge the Justice Department to consider several criminal charges against former President Donald Trump related to the Capitol riot, the first time ever in American history. The committee concluded its 18-month investigation by voting to refer Trump on several charges, obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to make a false statement, and inciting, assisting, or aiding and comforting an insurrection. The committee, which will be disbanded once Republicans are in the House majority next year, also took Monday's hearing to approve the release of its comprehensive report. Also, Hope Hicks made an appearance. I'm sure you enjoyed that. No, I saw that. She was trending on Twitter. Yeah, saying that saying that she was telling the president, hey, your legacy is going to suffer. And he's like, I don't care. My legacy is that I win. Oops. If that were. All right. So definitely, by its definition, a historic moment. Although the J6 committee has attempted to have so many historic moments that I can't even keep track anymore. Like every single second of every single thing is historic. But they have referred this. Where, where do we think this goes? So the first thing is you talk about the finale and the hype. I had the TV on, the news channels, and suddenly it was around my lunchtime that I see they're back. And I thought it was over. And you know what it reminded me of, Mary Kath? It reminded me of the, the farewell episodes of ER on NBC. Because every day there would be a commercial for just four episodes left. Right. You know, this is it. The yes. end of the friendships that were bonded over this time. You know, I mean, it's just the whole thing. And it's like, isn't it over? Yeah. I thought it was over. No. No. There, there, right. There's no Wiley. We don't know. Is George Clooney coming back? George Clooney is coming back. So. For, for J6 season three. Yes. I don't think, just at the very end, right? Juliana Margulies, I think she sees him at the very end by the dock. Okay. Not that I watched the show. Just saying I, that. I, my wife told me. My wife told me that's how it happened. This kind of complicates things with the criminal referral because yep. there is the independent counsel. Jack Smith. Mm. Um, Who can I explain, by the way, if you ever see a picture of Jack Smith, have you noticed that in the pic- the stock photo that they're using of him, mm-hmm. he has that weird purple frock on. <laughs> he looks like a priest at, at Prince's residence. That's, yeah, that's what he looks like. like. Mm-hmm. No one ever explained it. So I looked it up. It is a specific prosecutorial 
robe for the Hague if you're doing war crimes. That's that's his background. And, and that's what he wore? But he looks, oh, no, that's what they're using because he was that, there. He was there. Yes, yeah, that's right. right. That's what he wore in <laughs> that setting. I'd be wearing it now. Like, I'm going down Where to that lunch. was appropriate. Yeah. But now it just looks like he's mm-hmm. like a galactic lawyer from yeah. a from a yes. weird sci-fi show. Yeah. So that's the reason for that. Just FYI on with Jack si- Smith. On the sci-fi channel. No. So the criminal referrals, it sort of affects whether or not they want to insist that this is going to be an, an unbiased investigation by the independent counsel, while the Department of Justice may end up taking these referrals from the January 6th committee, which is composed predominantly of people who hate the president, right? I mean, it could have benefited from like a cross-examination, other witnesses to push, well, but that didn't, none of that happened, true. as we know for to, all of many reasons. And to be, fair, to be fair to the people yeah. on the committee, that is partly Donald Trump's fault and Republicans' fault who said, we're not going to be, ta- we're not right. gonna be ta- taking part in this, right. and therefore you lose your power right. to do that. That's right. And then the other problem is, of course, there is legal precedent that would favor probably the, the former president, but that's Brandenburg v. Ohio, and that was the incitement laws, the neo-Nazi right. who was charged with incitement. It is very hard. To prove, you have to be very explicit in your language, and I don't think Trump was I, explicit yes. enough. I let agree. alone, let alone, to get a unanimous verdict, right from from a jury, which he would have to, they would have to pull off. So the question is, by the way, why, the, yeah. we are we are full circle on the free speech, which is that major players in this country do not understand free speech or the definition of incitement or any of the benefits yeah. of free speech. They don't. They don't get any of that. They're just like, it's incitement because he said this sentence. Well, that is not actually how it no. works, nor is that how we should want it to no. work, because yeah. that would eliminate a lot of speech. All right. Do you think that do you think that the, the committee's referrals are because they believe this? We might get him on something here. This might actually happen. We're going to take him down regardless. He's running for president, but we could actually take him down. Obstruction of justice. Or do you think they just do it to annoy him? I have to, by the way, you see, I, I wave my hands a lot because it helps me think. Yeah. I feel like I'm Italian. <laughs> Same with uh, Trump. Same yeah, with Trump. I know, very much. A lot of me. pointing. A lot of pointing. A lot of pointing. But I mean, because if the goal is just to tie him up. Yeah. Like success. Then I would say the committee has succeeded. Do Do they want to take him down, though? Because he's probably the easiest Republican to run against. And he yes. is. And, 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 and by, the, by that same token, how does Trump react to being to these criminal referrals? Because. Isn't this, wouldn't this be part of your whole fundraising? Yeah. Scheme? Oh, yeah. And rallying people yeah. to him. I, this, I want, January 6th was a big deal. Yeah. Like having people screw oh gosh. with the peaceful Off. transfer yeah. of power was insane to watch. It was disturbing. We are also now two years in. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Oh, my gosh. 21. No, January 20. January yeah, 21. Almost coming up next yeah. month. Yeah, absolutely. So two years yeah. next week. And, it cannot be ignored that this is like the 14th obstruction of justice allegation I have heard. Mm-hmm. So we have to acknowledge that we've been trying this for a while. It's, mm-hmm. It feels very Coyote and Roadrunner. And maybe they've got him. Like, this is certainly worse than the yeah. other things. The incitement one, eh, I think they're overcharging a bit here in the hopes that one of these will, yeah. will come to well, fruition. You, throw up, throw, you see what sticks on the wall, right? You throw. Anyway. Okay. Let me continue to explain free speech to everyone. All right. I have a special call out. Okay. Ian Brody up there, listener up in Canada, Canada, who says, quote, please tell MK Hammer that she'd feel better on ice with a proper set of winter tires, softer rubber designed for driving on cold, slippery surfaces. In Calgary, we put them on in the first week of October before Canadian Thanksgiving. 
I didn't know they celebrate Thanksgiving. Yes, they have a different one, which actually uh, I would argue for the timing of which Canadian is, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving because it gives you more time between that and the next holiday. Like mm-hmm. it's pre-Halloween. Halloween is in the middle. Yes. And then you got Thanksgiving. Then you got mm-hmm. Christmas. It's interesting. Ours are very slammed do, together. They are. Do, do you think they celebrate Christmas in Canada? I'm kidding. That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can hear me on Ruthless Podcast this week as well, which you guys will enjoy. A lot of laughs to be had. I'm a little more. I'm a little meaner over there. Ooh. They're an influence on me. So you can tune in for that. In the meantime, I'm going to work on this baby, and I will keep you posted. All right, this has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. 